typically what we do for Summer Cry Alpha is we have like a Bible study um, every other week, and we do it at my house, and we just go through a book of the Bible. And in the past, to be honest, there's only been like the staff that's come, and then maybe the one person that's in town, because people, or people that you and I go home during the summers, or go to camp, Sunstream people, come on. So the whole idea this year is that uh, there'd just be a few events, so we're doing three this year, maybe we'll do more next year, but to try to get people to come back and to be a part of this. So thank you for those of you who drove here to be a part of what God's doing. It's just uh, really good to see you guys because um, it can be kind of a bummer during the summer when like, we go from intense discipleship, services every week, you know, going after God, and then all of a sudden there's like just tumbleweeds going through town, and I'm just sitting with or by myself with Emily pretty much. I spend the whole day with Derek in the office, and I spend the whole night with Emily, and that's like every day during the summer, so it's so good to see you guys here. I know. <laughs> But it, so it's so good to see you guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but so, okay, so I have to have, I'm going to confess something, okay? So about three weeks ago, we went on vacation. And then when we came back, it was like 95 degrees outside, right? And then it rained every day. It was like a decent temperature. So I didn't mow my lawn for like a month. And it got really bad. It got really bad. So, and the weeds got really bad too. So today I said, okay, I finally have to mow. It's, you know, decent outside. I can go mow. And there were just so many weeds. You know, I pulled a lot of weeds. I didn't do as many as I should. I probably left a few weeds, too many. But I pulled some weeds. And as I was doing that, I was thinking about summertime. And I feel like summertime, for some of us, it depends on where you're at. Maybe you're in a great church community during the summer. You're encouraged. Uh, you go to a better Chi Alpha somewhere else and hang out with them for the summer. I don't know. But, uh, but I think sometimes or during the summer, it can feel like there's weeds growing up all around us. Because during the school year, you have friends, so community, you have a, uh, a space to worship every Tuesday night, uh, you have a Bible study, these you know, different things are happening, and, and those things help cut the weeds around you, right? It helps prune you, helps you grow in your faith. And then during the summer, you go home, and you don't have those, uh, or those weed whackers, so to speak, to cut the weeds around you. And it can kind of choke your spirituality. It's, it's hard to hear Jesus sometimes when you don't have friends speaking for God to you, and you don't have a Bible study, you're not reading the Bible together, you're not in worship gatherings, or maybe you're at church, but it's not connecting with you. So the thing I want to do tonight is try to just whack the weeds around you. That's what I'm going to try to do with just, I think, a message from God. And I'm going to pour my heart out for you guys, because I just think that God has something tonight. It's going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 20, so it's not a typical book that I preach out of. Uh, but if you want to turn there, we're going to look at a story here in this book. And First and Second Chronicles tell the story of the Israelite kingdom. So 1st, 2nd Kings and 1st, 2nd Chronicles are very similar. They're just two different ways of telling the same story, essentially. And if you don't know this, the Old Testament is the story of Israel, right? It's the story of this people. They come from this guy named Abraham. Like maybe you sang a song about Father Abraham growing up. So God calls Abraham. There you go. That's great. We'll have to do that at the end. That'll be our altar song at the end. But <laughs> so Abraham's called uh, from his land, and God says, go to the land that I'll show you. So he wanders around the desert, and he has children, and, he, and God promises Abraham that he'll make him into a great people, that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And, and Abraham, you know, follows God's call. And, and then what we see is finally, you know, hundreds of years later, they finally have a kingdom, and it, oh, there's like kingdom. We see that uh, forming in 1st, 2nd Samuel, and then 1st, 2nd Kings, and then 1st, 2nd Chronicles. And, and uh, these different books tell the stories of these different kings. So typically, like the writer will tell you, this was a really bad king, or this was a really good king. And tonight we're going to read a story about King Jehoshaphat, and he has good times and bad times. And we're going to read one of his good times, all right? So we're going to look at Jehoshaphat, 
um, a story of when this military was surrounding him and he didn't know what to do. Like, he was completely surrounded. And I didn't do this just because of the song, okay? So, but anyways, he's surrounded by all these enemies and he has nothing he can do. And he goes to God and he says, God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to deliver my people. And what I want to do is just look at what he did and then apply that to our situations right now, okay? So that's what I want to do. And there's a lot of crazy names and stuff like that, so bear with me as I try to pronounce them. Since it is summer cough, I did not you know, go through all the homework of figuring out how to pronounce the names. So, eh, or Avery will help you if you need to know the name. If you were here during one of our Kai Alphas, Avery helped me out with the name once. All right, so let's read this. We're going to read the first 12 verses, and then I'll tell you a few things about those 12 verses, and then we'll move on. All right, so after this, the, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the, uh, or the, or the Meunites, came against uh, Jehoshaphat for battle. And, and some of them, or some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hassan Tamar, that is in Gedi, okay? I have no idea if that's how you say it. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, okay? So he was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all, Jud- or throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, uh, from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, uh, the God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? And you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. And did you not, our God, drive out uh, the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, uh, then we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not, or whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they or now they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, and will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on the Lord or on you. So Jehoshaphat is surrounded by these armies, and he doesn't know what to do. And maybe you've been in that situation. You're surrounded so he does the only thing he, uh, the only thing he knows how to do in this situation when there's nothing else to do, and that's he turns to God and he seeks Him in prayer and fasting. And Jehoshaphat's response to this impossible situation teaches us an important principle about what we're to do when we're faced with opposition. So the first thing I want you to get tonight is when we're faced with opposition, we must rely on God. The temptation is to rely on yourself to figure out the solution to your problem on your own. That's me, I'm a self-reliance kind of guy. I don't like to ask people to help. I don't. But God calls you to lean into him even when the odds are stacked against you. In verse three, it says that he was afraid. I think we can relate with this feeling. Have you been afraid lately? I've been afraid. And there are so many, there are so many different things that cause us to be afraid. I'm gonna scoot up just a little bit because I feel like I'm back in the boonies. All right, so maybe you're afraid of the future. Or maybe you are afraid of stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's me, right? Like, it's not fun to be outside of your comfort zone. 
Or maybe you're afraid that you'll fall back into an old sinner habit, or perhaps that a sinner habit that's happening in your life right now will last forever. Like Satan's been telling you, that sin is never going to be defeated. God is never going to deliver you from that. And you're afraid. You're afraid, will I always be this way? That's the question you ask yourself. And Jehoshaphat shows us a different way than trying to rely on ourselves. Or perhaps, so the first thing is you might rely on yourself, or you just throw in the towel and say, I'm just not even going to fight this battle. Jehoshaphat shows us that instead of just relying on ourselves or shrinking back in fear, we should run towards God and put all of our weight in him. So here's the thing. When life is the hardest, when it's the hardest time of your life, the temptation is to kind of withdraw from community and to withdraw from God. But God calls us to run towards him even when you can't hear his voice, to press in even in those seasons when you are not hearing him and you don't feel like he's really listening to you. So verse 12, it says this. It says, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against, or against this great horde that is coming against us, and we don't know what to do. So have you ever been in a situation like this where you don't know what to do, where you're afraid, and you have to rely on God? You know, a couple days ago, I was looking through. So like me and this friend I had at the University of Iowa when I attended school here, like we would exchange notes. Okay, it's, it sounds weird. But he was a part of Chi Alpha at the University of Iowa, and I was a part of Calva here, and we're both the presidents of the student organizations, and we would just send each other emails. And I was just looking back through these emails, and I sent him an email, and I shared, dude, I just preached my first sermon last night. So this was in 2012, okay? I just preached my first sermon. I was so scared, but God came through and helped me. Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I'd be able to do it, but God helped me. I can remember that feeling before the first time I preached. It was actually over in the fellowship hall over there, and it was a youth group of probably smaller than this, and I was like, my heart was just beating out of my chest. I'm like, God, I cannot do this. Because, you know, I was one of those kids in high school that never raised my hand in class because I didn't want to talk in front of people. But then God was calling me to preach, right? So I'm in this situation where it's something I don't want to do, <clears throat> but God's called me to do it. So I tell God, I say, God, if you're going, or God, if you're calling me to do this, then you need to do something because I'm going to look like a fool. In this note, what I said to John, my friend, was, wow, God came through. It's like I came up there, I grabbed the mic, and God just spoke through me. And I've seen that every time that I've preached since. It's not like every sermon's amazing, but God always comes through and helps me. And maybe God is calling you in some area of life to rely on him in a greater way and to give him the reins and, and to allow him to lead you. And the thing that happens when you do that, when you allow God to lead you, even in the midst of fear, is your faith grows. Every single time I'm afraid to do something, every single time I'm in a tough situation, I put it on God and he comes through, my faith just expands and multiplies. And I think some of us are stuck in fear right now. Some of us are stuck in a rut. And God's calling you to do something different to, or to pursue him in a greater way, to trust him more, just like Jehoshaphat had to do. And I promise you when you do that, that God is going to move and he's going to expand your faith. And he's going to use you for greater things in the future. I just believe that. So that's the first thing. I don't think that's the most important thing that this passage is teaching us. I think there's even some more important things here in this passage. So I want to read verse 13 through 17 quick and we'll draw something else. So, it says, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Thank you, the Chronicle writer, for putting all those names in there. We needed to know that. And he said, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but is God's. 
Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. What a sweet name. And you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jarul. No, that's not what you say. That's like an old rapper or something. All right, so you will not need <laughs> to, to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. Hold your position and see that the salvation of the Lord is coming on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. I love this part of this story. So Jehoshaphat lays out his heart in prayer and God responds to him through a friend. Isn't that amazing? Guys, some of you, God is giving you messages for your friends and you need to share them with your friends. Share those messages. God wants to speak through us to each other. God uses this guy Sweet guy, has lots of ancestors, and he speaks through him to Jehoshaphat to encourage him in his time of trouble. And he tells him something important, and that's what leads me to my second point here. So the second point is this. When faced with opposition, we must remember that God is the one who fights for us. God fights for you. God cares about you. God does not leave you when you sin. God does not leave you when you slip back into that old habit. God does not leave you when you go to that party. God does not leave you when you have fear. He is there, and he's actively fighting for you. He's actively concerned about your life. And so many of us have bought into the lie that God does not care about us. God is concerned with your life. God is concerned with your heart. God loves you. And God is fighting a battle on your behalf. Battles that you don't even know are going on around you are happening in the, in the spiritual realm. And God is fighting for you. And when God is fighting for you, if he calls you to do something, you can step out in faith and obey him because you know that God doesn't lose. He's undefeated, right? God does not lose. So what is God calling you to do in the midst of fear tonight? What is God calling you to change in your life? Maybe you haven't been reading your Bible this summer and God's calling you into that. God's calling you to not have a spirituality that is relying upon a pastor, upon a small group leader, but a spirituality that is relying upon your relationship with you and him. And that doesn't mean that your pastor and your small group leader don't encourage you, but God is calling you into greater intimacy than you've been in before. We have to put aside the fear of giving up your time and perhaps being told to do things that you kind of don't want to do because God does that during our Bible reading time, right? He convicts our hearts. You don't really want to go in that space. And there's all this fear sometimes about going deeper with God. You need to put that aside and say, God, I trust you. And I trust that you have good intentions for my life. And if I dive in with you deeper, then you're going to take me to greater places. I believe that tonight. So <clears throat> the spirit of God rushes upon this prophet and he reminds Judah that they do not have to be afraid because the battle is not theirs, but it's God's. <clears throat> and he tells them that they can go down to battle because God will be there. God will fight for them. God is in every situation in your life. He is there. He's gone before you. God is already in this fall. God's already going before us, helping get these hearts of freshmen ready to respond to the gospel. I believe this. I'm not just saying this. During worship, I just felt the sense of the Lord's presence. God is going before us, and this fall is going to be amazing. And I know I say that every year because I always believe for great things. But this fall is going to be better than ever before. I really believe that. And I believe this. This is a side note. But I believe that God is going before us, and he's preparing a way for us to not only impact this campus, but to impact Hawkeye Community College and to impact other colleges across our state. I believe God is calling people from this group to be future campus missionaries around our state. I just believe that. That's what God's been putting on my heart lately. God's going before us, though. He's already like way ahead of us. And he's preparing a way. He's fighting a battle for us. He's preparing a way for us to have a great impact on our campus and beyond. God is fighting a battle for us. I believe that. <clears throat> Something I learned about God is that he loves for us to get in these situations that seem impossible. Like these guys are surrounded by 
these armies and there's no way they're gonna win on their own. And he loved it. I just feel like God was pumped. He's like, now they have to rely on me. They can't do it on their own. In the book of Exodus, Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt. They were in slavery and Moses said, let my people go. You probably sang a song about that too if you were in Sunday school growing up. And, he, and they're running out into the desert and then the Egyptians change their mind and decide, hey, we don't want them to leave. And they start pursuing them. And Moses is crapping his pants. Just, that's the only way to say it. He's scared because he sees this army. They can't fight against them. They're slaves. How are they going to fight the Egyptian army? He is scared out of his mind. He's like, God, why did you call me to lead these people out of Egypt? And this is what it says in Exodus 14, 14. I love this verse. I claim this verse for my life. It says, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. You only have to be silent. You don't have to do anything. God's fighting for you. You don't have to do anything. There's nothing you have to do. You just be silent. Just shut up, Moses, and I will move. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to have a quiet trust that God is fighting our battles. I believe that. So when God's people get surrounded by their enemies, he consistently, or consistently reminds them that their hope is not in themselves, but it's in him, and he will fight their battles for them. God loves, like any good father, to fight battles on behalf of his children. And I think that's kind of where we get kind of mixed up in this. We kind of think God doesn't care about us. He's not really fighting for us. Hey, God just left us out or is hanging us out to dry, like saying, hey, you can handle this on your own. And the reason we think that way is we don't understand that God is actually a good father. He looks at you as a son or daughter. And good fathers don't just leave their son or daughter out to dry, right? They don't just say, hey, like, here you go. I'm gonna throw them out to the dogs. I'm just gonna leave. No, God comes and fights beside us, just like any good father would, like any good father would protect his children. So I remember about six years ago, uh, God was calling me and Emily to get married, and we were 20 years old, and both of our parents were broke at the time. Like my dad was between jobs, and we couldn't afford a wedding, and we are like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but God was calling us to do it, you know? There's all this fear, but, but I felt in my heart that God was calling us to get married. He wanted us to get married for a number of reasons. So we walked forward in faith and said, we're going to do this. And about a few months into the process of planning for the wedding, trying to pay for it, we get a call from her uncle who doesn't know about our financial situation. And he says, hey, I just feel like I'm supposed to give you $3,000. I go, okay, we'll take $3,000. <laughs> I didn't have to ask him. I didn't have to like, do any support letters for getting married. You know, if you've, if you've heard of that before, please support us in getting married. No, God went before us and put it on his heart to give us the money. And I'm a campus missionary, so I rely on or me and Emily rely on the gifts of you know, financial donors to, or to do this ministry and to live life. And every month, God comes through, every month. Like, I think we're, like, we're a lot of months in, like maybe 37, 38, and God has never failed us. We've always been able to, to pay our salary, to pay for all the stuff we have to do for Chi Alpha. He's always come through. There's people that I don't even ask to support us, and they pick us up, and we're like, okay, I hardly know you, but thank you for giving to us. And I know that God is going before us and fighting that battle. And I just believe that there's some battles in your life. I don't know what it is. There's things that you're scared of, like you're nervous about this fall. Maybe you're stepping into leadership for the first time. You're nervous about that. I don't know. And maybe you have a relationship and you're trying to figure out, hey, am I supposed to be in this relationship? I don't know what's going on in your world, but I believe that God is fighting on your behalf. I really believe that. But you have to believe it yourself. You have to kind of get in tune with what's going on in heaven, okay? So this is all gonna come together now, right? So the third point is this. Well, we don't know the third point yet. We're gonna read the scripture and then I'll give you the third point and it's gonna come together. All right, verse 18 through 24. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. 
And they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. And believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and, and Moab rose against uh, the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy each other. Point is, they all destroy, like all the armies that are coming against Judah, they start fighting each other. They just start fighting each other. We don't know why. <laughs> so I have a, well, okay, so Je- or Jehoshaphat, he didn't stop with just saying, I'm going to trust God. So I'm, I'm kind of going somewhere with this. The first thing is you need to trust God when there's a battle going on. The second thing is you need to know that he's fighting for you. But he didn't stop with those two things. He didn't just stop with saying, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to know that he's for me. But then he did something. So there's something you have to do. It's not just knowing, but there's something you have to do. And that's he worshiped God. He worshiped God. So the third point tonight is this. Uh, when we're faced with opposition, we must remember that our greatest, our, our greatest weapon is worship. Our greatest weapon is worship. So what does that mean? It sounds kind of like, ooh, spiritual. <laughs> the point is, when life is not going the way you want it to go, and when you're feeling dry spiritually, and when you're scared, the temptation is to hide from God but that is not what he's called you to do. He's called you to press in to him. And the times that you can't hear him the most are the times that you're supposed to press in the most. And during the summer, I just find so often that I, I, I feel like we go through our different struggles. Maybe you're back in a setting where you weren't really following Jesus before. We just kind of curl up in a ball and we're like, all right, I'm just gonna wait it out till August gets here and Kyle is back. God has not called you to do that. God has called you to press into him. God has called you to worship him in the midst of the storm. God has called you to give him everything. Not just to worship him with song, although that's kind of what I'm talking about the most tonight, but also with your lifestyle. To say, I'm gonna continue obeying you even when I can't hear your voice. I'm gonna continue reading your word even when I don't feel like it. I'm gonna continue seeking you even when it's not comfortable. I believe that God is calling us into this as a community. This isn't just for summer. This is as a community. I believe that God wants Chi Alpha to be known as a community that is after the heart of God in worship. We go after him. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if we got an F on our test the day before. We're going to worship God no matter what's going on. I believe God is calling us into that. And I believe as we do that, as we worship God, no matter what our circumstances, that people are going to be are drawn to the presence of God. It's going to be like a magnet as we're worshiping God no matter what's going on. As God's fighting our battles, there's going to be people that are coming into our community like never before. I just believe that. But we have to be after God. And not just on Tuesday nights, like getting excited doing some jumping jacks at the front of the stage. I'm talking about our personal devotional life where you are hungry for the presence of God and you will not leave your dorm until you get it. And you're not gonna leave until you hear God's voice in the morning through his word. That God is the most important thing in your life. That's worship. That's worship, making God the most important thing in your life. Nothing comes before that. I believe God is calling us into that space where there's just this hunger that's, that's being generated in our group, and we're just going after his presence like, like there's nothing else that matters. 
So I think pretty much all of you, unless you're visiting us tonight, know this story, me and Emily, like when we tried to get pregnant this last year, and now we're pregnant, we're like five months along, it's amazing. There's a long season there, though, where we were trying, it just wasn't working out. And it was so tempting to curl up on a ball and just say, say God, I'm kind of mad at you, like you're not answering my prayers, I'm just not going to pursue you. But I tell you, like those nights when he'd wake me up in the middle of the night with that desire to have a child, and I'd go into the other room, into the nursery now, and begin to worship God, those were the sweetest moments in his presence. When he had, or when God hadn't um, actually answered the prayer yet, but I was still worshiping him. You know, I've heard it said that uh, on earth, like this is the only opportunity we're going to have to worship God when we don't have to or when it's not easy. Because in heaven, it's easy to worship God. Like his presence is, you can see him. Like, like Jesus is lighting up the entire place. Like it's hard not to worship the holy God when you can see him. But on earth, like, there's this opportunity to worship God even when things aren't going your way, even when it's tempting to, to go down another path. And I believe that that glorifies God in a great way. So tonight I want to do that. That's all I want to do. I'm just trying to set you up for a time with God. I pray that every person would encounter God tonight in their own way, that each of you would hear God's voice. And what I want to do as the band comes back up is just have a space. Well, if we could actually just have... Andrew, play some keys. That'd be great, because I want you guys to have a chance to go after God. But uh, I just want to spread out in this place. And if you want, okay, so I feel like the, okay, I feel like the altar was really cool in like 1985, and that everyone, and now what's cool is to go in the corner by yourself and be like, I'm going to hide over here. And I'm not judging you. You can do whatever you want. But I just want to say something about the altar, okay? Because we don't get the opportunity on Tuesday nights to go to the altar. There is something special. There's something that God does when we step out and it's not that it's about being in front of people, but, you know, this idea that there's a space that's, you know, designated to just meeting with God. There's something special. When you step out and you go before all your friends, you say, I'm going to meet with God. For me, like, my most profound moments with God have happened at the altar in my life. So this is an opportunity tonight. There's not a lot of people here just to be with God and to, and to encounter him at the altar. So I just want to encourage you, if, if you're comfortable with that, to come to the altar and just seek him for the next 15, 20 minutes. Just go after him. Just seek him. Just say, God, I need to hear your voice. I haven't heard your voice in a while, and I need to hear it. Or, God, I have a battle, and I want you to fight it for me. Or, God, I need you to remind me that you love me. Maybe tonight you just doubt if God loves you because of the sin in your life. And tonight all God wants to do is remind you that he loves you. But that's got to happen by pursuing him. I just believe that God wants to have this moment where you pursue him like Jehoshaphat did, and then he answers your prayer, and he speaks to you. So if we could stand, I just want to pray, and then I'm just going to let you guys find a place. Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you that you truly are the God who fights for us. That God, even when we're at the lowest of the low, that you're still there and you're still contending for us. You're still showering us with love and grace and mercy. And God, I pray tonight that the reality that you love us even when we're at our worst would change us. And God, I pray that I don't know what you know, people are going through tonight, but I pray that if people are going through hard seasons or they're feeling dry spiritually, that they would not curl up in a ball, so to speak, but instead that they would pursue you. That they say, I'm not leaving this place until I hear God's voice. I'm not leaving this place until I meet with God. Just as Jacob wrestled with you throughout the night, said, I will not let go until you bless me. God, I pray that this would be the heart of our group. We're not going to let go until you bless us. We're not going to let go until you meet with us. So God, we want to do that. Lord, we love you so much. Just be with us as we pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen.